Let's do this. Let's talk about talk. Welcome to Talk About Talk, episode number 102. I'm your communication coach, Dr. Andrea Wojnicki. Please call me Andrea. This episode is different from any other Talk About Talk episodes you've ever heard. You're going to hear a recording of a live Q&A that I did a few months ago. You're going to hear my unscripted answers to unscripted questions about everything from how to deal with a difficult boss to how to improve your communication if you're a shy introvert to lots of networking advice to what to say when you're re-entering the workforce after mat leave and how to ask for feedback. This Q&A was recorded live from the Fishbowl app. Have you heard of Fishbowl? Fishbowl is a platform for professionals where they can have honest career conversations. You access Fishbowl from your phone and you can choose from thousands of industry, community, or company bowls or groups to have honest conversations with other verified professionals. The conversations on the Fishbowl app are all in the form of questions and answers. You post a question to a bowl and then random Fishbowl members will type their answers. It is an incredibly supportive environment. Fishbowl also has these live verbal ask an executive coach Q&A sessions, which is where the content from this episode came from. My friend, an ambitious and impressive young leader named May Samoy invited me to participate in one of these Fishbowl live Q&As. May is a dedicated forensic accountant and consultant by day, and in her spare time, she's also a community leader on the Fishbowl app. When May asked me to do this, I jumped at the chance, and I'm so glad I did. It was great fun, and I had the opportunity to hear real communication skills questions from a live audience of over 750 professionals. Yeah, so there were well over 750 Fishbowl members in attendance, raising questions, which May moderated, and then she asked me these questions live. The session went so well that I asked the Fishbowl folks if I could get a copy of the audio file so I could turn it into a podcast episode. And voila, here we are. A few quick things you need to know. First, the audio is definitely comprehensible, but you're going to hear a few glitches. And that's because we aren't on fancy microphones. It's all through our smartphones and through Wi-Fi. So there are glitches, but you will easily be able to understand everything. Also, you will not hear a summary at the end of this episode because the answers to each of the questions are relatively succinct. Like I said, this episode is different from any other. But like other Talk About Talk podcast episodes, you can always go to the show notes for this episode on the talkabouttalk.com website to reference relevant links and the transcript there. One last thing. What you're going to hear first is my friend May giving me a pep talk and then Rachel from Fishbowl telling us It's time to go live, ladies. I thought you might enjoy this little peek behind the scenes. Okay, here we go. Hello, May. Hi, how are you? (laughs) I'm so excited. This is uh, totally outside of the norm for me. Right. Uh, You're going to do great, no doubt. Uh, I've seen your work, so I I have total confidence. It's going to be amazing. Thank you for the pep talk, May. (laughs) Yes, that's it. (laughs) Absolutely. Just give it another minute. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Okay, um, so I'll leave it up to you, May, and I'll drop down to the bottom. Sounds good. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Rachel. All right, I see people are joining in. Well, fellow Fishbowl members, 
and especially you, Andrea Wojnicki. Welcome to our Ask an Executive Coach event. My name is May and I have the pleasure to host today's Fishbowl Live session. I'm a manager in a consulting firm and a Fishbowl leader, but most importantly, I'm very excited because today we have Andrea Wojnicki with us. You might have heard of Andrea if you don't know her yet. She is a communication coach and podcaster at Talk About Talk, a learning platform to help ambitious executives improve their communication skills. She earned her doctorate of business administration and marketing from Harvard Business School, where she focused on consumer psychology and word of mouth. Over her career, Andrea served on the faculty at the University of Toronto, where she taught MBA students. She authored several academic papers and HBS cases, and she worked as a brand manager at Kraft. So for the very first time since we started uh, the Ask an Executive Coach series, she is generously donating an hour of her time to help each and every one of us with professional questions, dilemmas about communication. So thank you so much, Andrea, for joining us today. Before we jump into the subject, Andrea, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and what led you to coaching? Sure. Thank you so much, May. It really is a pleasure to spend this time. As you know, when you asked me to do this, I jumped at the opportunity. Yes. Uh, it sounds like it's right up my alley. So the difference between what I do and what many other executive coaches do is I'm not focused on being a life coach or even on being an executive coach. I'm really more focused on communication skills. So about three years ago, I started Talk About Talk really as this platform where you can choose whatever works for you. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, that's great. If you want to subscribe to the newsletter, it's basically like getting free communication skills coaching. I also do one-on-one -on -one coaching with executives, some entrepreneurs and some people at big companies. And I do workshops and online courses. So it's really kind of multimedia. So I thought this is a medium, this fishbowl through which I haven't participated yet. So I'm really excited And I have spent some time in various bowls, lurking and reading. And I was just telling May, I love the supportive environment and the atmosphere. Thank you so much, Andrea. And so I see a lot of people join today's conversation. So Andrea, someone already contacted me through private messaging. And the person is asking, if you have a supervisor who is negative or critical, is it worth wasting time communicating your worth and defending yourself? Or is a more productive use of time to move on to a better opportunity with a more supportive boss? Okay, this is a great place for us to start. I think it's, it's also a very common question, unfortunately. So I think I have two ways of thinking about how to answer this question. The first is actually some advice that I got from my father When I had this happen to me, I was working as a brand manager and it wasn't my boss. It wasn't my immediate boss, but it was her boss who was not just berating me, but berating other people. He was really making work not fun. And I was very upset. And I remember when I called my dad and I said, I don't, I don't know what to do. And he asked me this great question, which I've shared with some of my clients. And they, they say, yeah, that's a great way to think about it. He said, does the values of this person who's giving you a hard time, does his or her values reflect the organization? If they do, and you aren't aligned with them, you should probably move on. However, if this person is an anomaly, 
things have a way of working themselves out. And you may actually learn a lot from learning how to deal with this person. And I said, no, his values really aren't aligned with the organization. I would say that he's the anomaly. And he said, well, then stick it out and you'll be fine. And, and he was right. The second thing is if you can think about what might be making this person so negative or critical, there is a model called the SCARF model. And SCARF is S-C-A-R-F. It's an acronym. And it's a way of diagnosing what might be actually going on psychologically with people if they're being negative or difficult. Each of these letters is a word that could be something that they believe is under threat. So S is status. C is certainty. A is autonomy. R is relationships. And F is fairness. So The question is, and almost 100% of the time, one or more of these things you can probably diagnose as the person feels that they are either feeling that their status is being threatened, they are uncertain, they don't have autonomy, their relationships are being compromised, or they think that something's not fair. And if you can figure that out, then that can help you understand how to best deal with the person. So we're getting, we're getting kind of immediately right into the nitty-gritty of some psychology here, but this is a really powerful framework for understanding how to deal with negative or critical people. I love your advice. I mean, first of all, the question about is that person really their actions or what they do, does it reflect the organization's value? I find that's really key. Thank you for sharing that piece of advice. Um, that, that's my dad. Thank yeah. you to Ray. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and yeah, the SCARF model. So status, certainty, autonomy, relationship, and fairness. Thank you so much for that. I also picked a question that I saw in one of the bowls. And someone posted that they've just joined a new position and need to introduce themselves during one-on-ones to the team. Any tips you can share? I have May a fantastic framework that I'm actually really, really excited to share with you all here. I'm excited to share it with you because this actually was a podcast episode topic that I released uh, less than a year ago, probably six months ago or less. And it's already the number one most downloaded episode of all time. Yeah. After it was released, I got emails from strangers thanking me. And I, I have the shivers right now because even just a couple days ago, I was talking to one of my clients. He's a wealth advisor and he has these very you know wealthy prospects that he's talking to and he has to introduce himself. And he used the framework and he said, Andrea, it's gold. It works every time. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So let me, let me share with you yes, what it please. is. This one, this one you don't need to write down, okay? It's so easy to remember. It's three things. Are you ready? Yes. Present, past, future. So it's not chronological. Once you remember that it's not chronological, it's easy to remember. It's present, past, future. So it's also not a script. It is simply three words. The present statement is, I am. So hi, everyone. I am Dr. Andrea Wojnicki. I'm a communication coach at Talk About Talk. So you say, who you are and what you do. It's present tense. And then the second step of the framework is past. This is where you elaborate with relevant details that give you credibility. Now, it depends on who you're talking to, who you're introducing yourself to, 
But you could say, in the past, I earned my doctorate at Harvard Business School, where my research focused on word of mouth. As you can tell, I'm really obsessed with communication. So you go, you go past statements, maybe things that add credibility. If it's in a, a job context, which is what we're talking about here, mm -hmm. you could talk about previous positions you had, previous projects that you worked on. And then the third step is the future-oriented statement. And here's where it's not, it's not just, and I'm looking forward to working with you. It's a really enthusiastic statement. There is research out there in, in psychology and in organizational behavior that proves that when you express enthusiastic emotion, be it in writing or be it verbally, the outcome of the relationship or the negotiation or the meeting or whatever it is, is going to be more positive. So end your self-introduction with a positive statement about the future that you're expressing with enthusiasm. So a great one would be, I'm really excited to learn your questions that you have for me in this fishbowl session. Let's do this. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. One of the reasons that I think this works so well for people is we've all been in the situation, whether it's in real life sitting around a boardroom table or whether it's going around the Zoom, the Zoom screen, one by one, we're introducing ourselves and, and you know, whoever's leading the meeting says, let's go around one by one and introduce ourselves. And suddenly your brain starts going, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, what am I going to say? How yes. long should I talk? Am I saying too much? Am I not saying, right? You're not listening to anyone. If there was a quiz about people's names and what they said, you'd get zero, right? But once you have this framework in your mind, you just have to fill in the present, past, future, and you nail it every time. Amazing. It is true that like when we have to, when we go in circles and we have to choose ourselves, sometimes my brain freezes, <laughs> which is quite funny. So present, past and future. Thank you so much for sharing that. All right. I'm going to go on with someone that just pinned me actually privately a question. So someone is saying, as I'm progressing in my career, I'm being presented with more public speaking and moderating opportunities. However, I'm more of an introvert. What tips or advice can you share to become more comfortable and be successful in these settings? Okay, I love this topic. Oh, there's so many things I could say. <laughs> Let me start by saying that most of us feel nerves. And in fact, a great majority of us feel nervous or a lack of confidence when we are quote unquote on stage. I always say quote unquote because it, it's not always literally on stage. It could be physically on stage, right? But it might be you're leading a meeting or you're giving a presentation that doesn't necessarily need to be on stage. I have a story of when I was a young brand manager at Kraft and I was asked at the last minute to give a speech about one of the brands at the national sales meeting And I was so nervous that I was shaking and I went up to the podium and there was a spotlight on me and I felt like it was a heat lamp. <laughs> I was sweating and I was red and I was shaking and I got off stage and my boss said, Andrea, I almost had to grab you and save you. Are you okay? I said, no, I'm not okay. And she said, your face is redder than your hair. And I made a promise to myself at that moment, that is never, ever going to happen again. That is absolutely ridiculous. This is what I said to myself. And so I really did two things. One was I went out of my way to volunteer for every opportunity that I had to get quote unquote on stage. And as I said, that doesn't mean necessarily physically on stage, but it, it could be. So that's one thing. 
volunteer every chance you have. I promise you, I promise, promise, promise you, the more you do it, the easier it gets. Okay, so that's one thing. And then the second thing was I just, I started collecting at first informally and now certainly formally tips and tricks and mindsets to help me kind of overcome any confidence issues that I might have. So I, I have all sorts of tips, you know, from, you know, making sure you're very, very well prepared if you have the opportunity to practicing, if it's a speech or a presentation, things like adopting a mantra, things like, and May knows that I, I've asked people to do this for me before, and she jokingly started doing <laughs> this before, before we got on, quote unquote, on stage tonight. That is to give me a pep talk. So you could literally ask a friend or a colleague to give you a pep talk. So there's all sorts of tips and tricks. But if you want to improve your skills really quickly, there is one thing that is really, really hard to do, but incredibly effective. Do you know what it is, May? Practicing? Could that be it? I mean... It's actually recording yourself. Right, right. And watching or listening to it. Yes. I do this uh, as a podcaster. I record my podcast and I always do the first round of edits. So I listen to myself. I've forced myself to watch myself on video a few times. And now with my clients who are asking me these questions, I also ask them what, and we do it together. Sometimes we'll watch them and we'll point out the things that worked really well and the things that they should work on. That is the fastest, I promise you, the fastest way to improve is to listen or watch yourself. So if you, if you want to ask your boss if you can record a meeting and then watch it later, it is very hard to do, but highly effective. Great. Amazing. Well, um, the person just said, love this great advice. Thank you. So, yes, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. I see that we have Da Vinci who just joined. Da Vinci, hey, yeah. Hi, Da Vinci. Hey, how's everything? Um, my background has been entrepreneurship. I'm moving into investment banking and moving into the finance game. Obviously, is different because I will be go. I will transform from being CEO to you know a managing director or some other form of employee. My question to you is, what uh, information guidelines can uh, you present to someone like myself that's going to be the most optimal and most effective way to utilize my time when it comes to a position search? And I would also like to throw in there this that um, I'm not at the entry level part of my career. So, um, what do you have for someone like myself, seasoned, who's been an entrepreneur? But now moving into um, an, an employee role, right, like an investment bank or something like that. What advice could you share? Thanks. Great question, uh, Da Vinci. I think I can I can answer that from a communication perspective. And what I would do if I were you, Wilson, right on. Yeah, the first thing that I would do is I would go to LinkedIn, and I would make sure that you have everything in order there. And I I'll, I will probably connect with you later if you don't connect with me first the three elements on your LinkedIn profile that you absolutely have to nail are your your headshot, your banner image in the background, and your headline. And all three of those, this is free real estate, right? So just make sure those are filled in. And for your headline, it's not just your current title. So use that. And don't be afraid to incorporate some keywords like investment bank, you said iBanking and and these titles that you're seeking, like, don't be afraid to put things in there. I mean, as long as you're being authentic and you're qualified for them, right? So, but you can put 
industries, you can put disciplines, you can put titles that you have, you can put interests in there. So that's the first thing I would do. And then the second thing is you need to start doing some strategic networking. So on Fishbowl, you got up on stage, people are seeing your name. They're, they're look, they understand that you're looking to make a career change. I hope lots of people will, will connect with you on, on Fishbowl and maybe on LinkedIn as well. Reaching out in terms of networking, as you said, to executive recruiters. I happen to know several executive recruiters very, very well. I speak to them on a regular basis. And, you know, letting the ones that you know and maybe the ones that you don't know, know that you are actively searching right now for a new position is a great idea. Don't expect them to spend an hour with you going out for lunch or they're really networking with organizations who are hiring them to find people like you. So the the idea here is you want to become top of mind for them and you can do so by, you know, getting on their radar, making sure your LinkedIn is looking great, asking them if they have any ideas for you, but don't, don't be too, I guess, greedy in terms of asking them to serve you because their clients really are the organizations that are hiring them. So just understanding the dynamics there is very helpful. But there's a lot of great networking opportunities out there. As you probably know, it's going to be your friend's friend that helps you secure your next job. And so getting out there, networking with people, going to online events, going to real life events. And the one piece of advice that I really have for networking that I promise you works, and it might not seem as obvious, but it really works, is to be generous. So be a giver, not a taker when you're networking. And then people will remember you exactly the way you want to be remembered not as that guy that was trying to sell me or that guy that was trying to get me to do favors for him. You want to be a giver, not a taker. So whatever you're doing when you're networking, you can try to add value. And there's lots of ways you can add value, right? You can add value by offering advice, offering suggestions, listening to people, providing resources. It could be information or other resources that you're helping them with. By connecting to other people is a great way to add value in a network. So sometimes it takes some creativity, but if you always go into a networking opportunity thinking, how can I add value? How can I be a giver, not a taker? Things will work out much better for you. I think that's phenomenal. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah, well, you think I was going to say you suck or something? No, it's great. No, it's really great. That's fantastic. Thank you. Nice to meet you, Da Vinci. Pleasure's mine. Stay in touch. Amazing. So we have more questions coming in and Over here, I have someone asking, any tips on how to remain impactful when going for maternity leave break and upon returning back? Ooh, how to remain impactful. I I think what this person is asking is, how do you stay in the game when you've left the game for a little while? You know, the first thing that actually came to mind was the fact that this platform, Fishbowl, provides a fantastic opportunity for people that are in that situation, right? I mean, I can imagine being on mat leave or having some sort of extended leave and wanting to keep one foot in the door, so to speak, and grabbing my phone and turning on Fishbowl and maybe even creating a bowl for executives on mat leave, right? Or joining one or, you know, actively participating or whatever your style is, 
I think that leveraging these, these platforms like Fishbowl is really a low stress and probably highly effective way of keeping in the loop. And, and you can also connect directly with the people that you were working with and with the organization and with the industry through social media and then come back at least not having missed kind of the main headlines. You know, I, I think that the, your mat leave should be your mat leave. But obviously this person's concerned about also re-entering. And I think Fishbowl is fun. And like I said, for the most part, the, the conversations that I've seen are very supportive and positive and people li- uplifting others. So it, to me, it, if I was on leave, it wouldn't feel stressful to stay involved with my industry on a platform like Fishbowl, at least. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I know that some people like to reconnect as well, like once they're back and just what I like when people return is when they share their experience as well. So, yeah, sometimes people feel awkward about reaching out to people in their network to maintain relationships. And I have to say, coming back to work after a leave, a leave of absence for whatever the Mm -hmm. reason is and saying I'm just back from a leave of absence I'd love to go out for coffee with you or I'd love to have a quick zoom call or whatever it is that's a catalyst right you have a reason because you're re-entering the workforce can we just get reacquainted or can we get caught up so I would say make a list of the whatever it is whether it's 10 or 30 people that you want to reconnect with and then use your leave as the reason that you want to reconnect say I've I've been out for whatever it is, three months, six months, a year. And I, I'd just love to get caught up with what's going on with you personally and professionally. Use it as a reason to reconnect with as many people as you can. Great advice. Thank you so much. I have a really a ton of questions coming in at the same time. Here goes the next one. What is first impression in your opinion? What is the best framework to think about it? What is a first impression? It's, it's an evaluation or a judgment of someone, often based on stereotypes. Right. Our brains are wired to make judgments about people, but we can take the knowledge of that to try to create a positive impression around other people. Remember what I said at the very beginning, expressions of positive enthusiasm, sharing enthusiastic emotions with people about Mm -hmm. the work, about the connection that you're having with them is going to make an incredibly positive impression. So put a smile on your dial. One thing that I did, I I was giving a workshop and I took like a piece of cardboard and I taped it next to my camera with an arrow pointing at the camera with a happy face next to it. And then as I was delivering the workshop, I would see this happy face and it would remind me to smile and to look at the camera because it's that impression, right, that people are going to be left with. So people care about your body language. They care about eye contact and they care about your enthusiasm. And yeah. Okay. We're talking about introductions. I know you shared the present, past, and future tip. Someone here just sent uh, a message saying, I'm a foreign lawyer who became a New York lawyer lately. May you give me some advice on introducing myself? I find it difficult to dig out my past experiences and have difficulty writing up some impressive experiences that I have. Okay, so first of all, I have to say that a lawyer with global experience is very impressive. So turn that thing that is unique about you Mm -hmm. into the positive and memorable thing. That becomes your superpower. So yes, I'm qualified to practice law in New York City or wherever it is, but I also have this global experience. So you're probably twice as valuable to your potential client than someone who doesn't have that experience. 
that unique thing about you that you can't deny, that becomes your superpower. And you need to, you know, figure out the words to describe it in the way that is authentic and impressive and lean into it. Don't shy away from it. So, you know, you've got foreign experience, call yourself a globally experienced lawyer. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Just hearing that is already impressive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Someone else is asking, what is the secret of maintaining consistent, healthy relationship with immediate supervisor? I re I'm guessing through communication here. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> communication, communication, communication. So beyond, I mean, that's obvious, right? But I think asking questions, if your boss says that was great, asking questions. So can you tell me what was great and maybe what I can work on for next time? Right. So, and that leads me to another point, which is the whole thing about having a growth mindset. If you can demonstrate to your manager that while you have, you know, certain technical expertise and, and maybe leadership potential, that you really have a growth mindset, you're proactively focused on improving and learning. That's one of the most impressive and, and satisfying things that as a manager you, you could have, right? Is you, you want the person to want to succeed and to want to learn. Right. And and how can we showcase like a growth mindset or how can we, uh, you know, develop that in ourselves? The way I define a growth mindset is I know what I know and I'm keen to learn more. So there's really two parts of it, right? So I'm confident about my expertise and my experience. That's part one. And part two is I'm always keen to learn more. And by the way, I'm walking into, for the first time, an open Q&A. It's a little bit nerve-wracking. So you know what I said to myself? Andrea, you're going to be fine. You have a growth mindset. You know what you know, and you're keen to learn more. If someone asks you a question that you can't answer or that you haven't thought about before, great. There's an opportunity to learn. So this kind of mindset can get you out of a lot of challenges and issues. But if you can demonstrate to your manager, and frankly to everybody, but to your manager that you have a growth mindset. What does that mean? I know what I know. So that means you are performing your job duties above and beyond. You are delivering what they ask for plus, plus, plus on time, on budget. And then the second part is you're sticking your hand up. You're proactively volunteering to go the extra mile and to learn. And if they see the two of those things in combination, I promise you, your career is going to take off. Yes, because oftentimes we can feel stressed when, when we get a question, like you said, for which we don't have the answer, but a growth mindset would help us out of that. The growth mindset helps us out of a lot of things. Yeah. When, when we're nervous, even, if you're about to go on stage and you're thinking, oh, just remind yourself what you know and what you want to learn. Absolutely. All right. I have another question that came in. It says, recently I joined a company Soon after, I was offered a position in a dream company. Mm -hmm. I had interviewed before joining the current job. How can I justify myself, guilty feeling, and what to tell while resigning? Oof. So this is a little bit outside of my realm, right? So I'm not a career counselor, but I am a communication expert. So just in terms of communication, I would think about the parties that are involved and what can you leverage if you're sure you want to take the dream job and you've just taken this other job the best thing you can do is tell your future employer that you made a commitment and you need to not just leave them in the dust 
So you need to be fair to them and give them at least whatever it is, two weeks or a month notice. And by the way, by doing that, you're also signaling to your dream job employer, right, your new boss, that you have integrity. So you're not just going to like not show up one day <laughs> and switch jobs. Yes, yes. Yeah. So being, I think being open and as fair as possible to both sides. Okay. So someone here is asking, any advice for an introvert who needs to create more energy chatter on Zoom calls? Okay. I have so much to say <laughs> about the introvert and extrovert scale. First of all, introversion is not a negative thing. In fact, introverts have many, many superpowers. Introverts, research shows, are better listeners than the rest of us. So think about that for a minute, right? This, the introverts that are maybe in your, or maybe you are an introvert, in your life are listening. They are genuinely interested in what other people are saying. They spend a lot of time in their, in their heads, ruminating about conversations that have happened. So don't put yourself down for being an introvert. Maybe kind of lean into that power that you have for being such an effective listener. And if you ever listen to my podcast, at the very end, I ask five what I call rapid fire questions. And one of them is simply introvert or extrovert. And, you know, I, am, I interview some very impressive people. I have to tell you, a significant majority of them tell me Something like, I am a quote-unquote reformed introvert, or I am a high-functioning introvert. And I'm like, what the heck does that mean? And they said, I'm naturally an introvert. I'm very internally focused. I'm a little bit shy. And I have, over the years, volunteered enough times to get quote-unquote on stage or to speak at a meeting or to give a presentation that now it's not such a big deal. But it's not, it's not kind of... The, Wouldn't, wouldn't have been my natural preference otherwise. So many, many successful people in business and in life are introverts. And if you just practice with the you know, verbal skills and being out there communicating, you can definitely be an effective communicator. And, and the last thing I want to say is a big part of understanding where you sit on the introvert-extrovert scale. By the way, most of us are in the middle. So I ask in my podcast, introvert or extrovert? It's kind of a trick question. Most people are in the middle, and, and the term for that is ambivert, A-M-B-I, ambivert. But for the people that are introverts, that means they get their energy when they are alone, right? Being alone fills, fills their cup. So just knowing that can help you kind of figure out how to manage your day and how to manage your week. So if you have something coming up that's going to require a lot of energy, you should probably have some time alone before that. And if you need to be in a big group or conversing, if you're going to like whatever, a networking conference or something, then you know that after it, you're going to be drained. So just when you're organizing your day, and especially if you're working your way up to important meetings or a presentation, think about where your energy is going to be and how you can fill yourself up. So I'm an extreme extrovert. I know that after I am doing presentations or I'm with people that I'm going to be wired afterwards. So I, I always schedule stuff on my calendar after so I can calm myself down. <laughs> I think it's a big thing about, it's not just about being shy or not being shy. It's also about how you manage your energy. Mm -hmm. What a great point. Actually, 
I consider myself to be a natural introvert and I can say over the years I just developed some tips for myself. I don't know if that's going to be useful, but there are some subjects that I can bring up in a conversation. I really don't mind talking about them. And just even if I'm kind of repeating the same story sometimes or obviously not to the same person, but... That's true. That's true. And I, I actually, I really love your point about stories and anecdotes or even topics that mm -hmm. other people seem to find interesting and then kind of storing those away. I don't know if anybody out in the audience here is a member of Masterclass or if they've joined Masterclass, but I, I've been watching some of those lately. And I, I watched the uh, Sarah Blakely Masterclass recently and her storytelling is phenomenal. And then today I was in Tony Robbins' uh, Breakthrough 2022 session and she was on as a guest and she told exactly Ow. the same stories. And I was like, <laughs> but you know what? They're compelling. Like she's filed them away. Like these are the stories that people want to hear. Yeah. Right? So yeah. you don't need to reinvent yourself every time you're in public. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's great. Um, oh, I have one more question that just came in. How do executive leaders view the future of executive leadership? That's a tough question, Andrea. So I'm not sure what that means, to be honest, but yep. it's related to another topic that it, it might be related, I think. And that is how to demonstrate leadership. Imagine you are in your year-end review with your boss mm -hmm. and they say, well, you need to demonstrate leadership skills. What the heck does that mean? Here I am, I'm doing my best. I'm demonstrating a growth mindset. I'm technically excellent. How do I demonstrate leadership? And so I get this question often enough that I've actually yes. created like a list. I have a podcast episode on this. And there are many kinds of leadership, right? There's people leadership. There's thought leadership. You could lead a meeting. You could lead a project. You could lead an initiative. So for any of you out there who have aspirations to get promoted, obviously job number one is to deliver with excellence high quality work on time, on budget, every time, being proactive about exceeding expectations. And then beyond that, demonstrating leadership. So maybe formally or informally mentoring more junior folks in your organization. That is absolutely demonstrating leadership. Or maybe identifying that area where you are an expert and creating thought leadership. So start a bowl on fishbowl or start a, like a special interest group at work. For example, some female executives in various industries that I've, that I've been working with, they would do like once a month, they invited the 10 women in some organization to go out for lunch for networking and, and for supporting each other. And the person who initiated that absolutely is demonstrating leadership. Thinking about the topic that you're really passionate about and going deep, deep, deep on it and then sharing your knowledge on LinkedIn or maybe internally by writing white papers or doing presentations or training, doing training in an organization. It's a fantastic way to demonstrate leadership. And, and then I guess the last one is just really being proactive and not just putting your, when they say, does anyone want to volunteer for this, saying yes and actually adding to it. So I think it's really important in, our, in the back of our mind to always be thinking about how we can take the next step. Oh, no, the person said, uh, excellent. I love her answer. Very helpful. So I think okay. you, you really nailed it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. So I have someone here and 
uh, they have a question about feedback. Does anyone ask for feedback from peers or colleagues? How do you ask for it or approach the, the conversation? Feedback is a gift. I want to say thank you to my friend Sharon for that line that she shared with me. Feedback is a gift. And sometimes it can be hard, especially if you're hearing something that you didn't want to hear or that you're surprised about. But please, please try to consider feedback to be a gift. Uh, and then two other things. So when I ask for feedback, be it on a presentation that I've given or coaching that I've given um, or maybe a website that I've just updated or a course or something like that. I, I like to ask people, and some of you may have heard this, but I just want to reinforce, this is a great framework. It's called start, continue, stop. So what should I start doing? What should I continue doing? And what should I stop doing? And by asking people that in that way, you're, it's really sort of a non-threatening way for them to provide you with the good, the bad, and the ugly. You're expecting it, and, and they see that you're expecting it, right? So start, continue, stop. That's the one thing. The second thing is, if you can only ask them for one thing, ask them to highlight something negative. Because people telling you what you're doing great is never as helpful. I shouldn't say never, because maybe, maybe you need an ego boost that day. But it's rarely as helpful as someone identifying the thing that could use improvement. So feedback is a gift, especially negative feedback. Wow. Yes, it is a gift. So thank you so much for taking the time today, Andrea. And thank you for all the participants for joining in on our session today. I hope that you will be joining the next one. And I wish you all a wonderful evening or day, depending on the time of the day where you are. But Yeah, depending on which yeah. time zone you're in. I want to say thank you to everybody for the fantastic questions. I really had a lot of fun. And thank you, May, for inviting me and for moderating this. And of course. if anyone's uh, interested, I would love to connect with you on Fishbowl and on LinkedIn, as I said. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.